Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Right. Okay. Yes. Our, uh, you guys might know right away. This isn't the usual voice that leads off the MMA ranking show they're listening to right now. This is uh, this is one of them. This is one of your hosts, Al- regular hosts, Alexander Kaylee. But uh, unfortunately, Shaheen cannot be with us uh, for this recording. He will, uh, I'm sure, rejoin us again for the May episode. So uh, don't worry. It's not just me. I've brought along another one of your favorite voices from the anime fighting team. Uh, so kind to join us as just my as my host for this uh, this first segment of our show that we usually do, guys. Give you a little rundown, and we'll bring in a panel later. But right now, everyone give a round of a, a hearty round of applause for Jed Mishu. AK, I'm, I'm so happy you brought me on here because <laughs> I think this this entire show has really been held down by Sean Alshadi's... Oh, dear devotion to uh order and structure and i'm not here for that i'm here for chaos uh so let's let's have some let's get chaotic ak okay well we can save that more so for the second part of the show jed but again <laughs> whatever you decide to do i i i brought you in all right i, I don't bring in you know you don't bring in uh a, a demolitions expert to a show and then tell them and then tell them hey you know take it easy with the uh with the explosions take it easy with the dynamite you know a little less time no you're the expert I'm, I'm a peacock. Not, you gotta let me fly. That's that's a much better analogy. Uh, but right now, Jed, we're just kind of going over some of the big changes we had in the MMA fighting global rankings in uh, March, which were plenty. We actually had uh, plenty and also big moves. Uh, so many notable names. The first one that probably comes to people's mind right away, if we ask who do you think made the biggest move in the rankings, uh, of course, Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall, incredible finish of... Uh, Alexander Volkov at UFC London, which we were calling maybe the best, one of the best fight nights of all time. Very likely the best UFC fight card that we saw this year. Uh, and it was very exciting. He capped off a stunning show where we had great performances from Mon McCann and Patty Pimblett and all these other names. Uh, so very well done all around. And he's really kind of carried that buzz uh, into people saying now he may be a, a legitimate heavyweight. Uh, well, he is, but may actually have a chance to win the heavyweight uh, world title sooner rather than later he jumps three spots in our rankings up to 
uh, number, should have had this prepared, up to number seven. He is number seven. So, uh, yeah, he was he was he was a bit behind uh, last month. I say just three spots. I'm sorry, he jumped five spots. He had uh, he had been originally I think in the top ten in our rankings. He'd kind of he had been knocked down because uh, Taito Vasa had made a jump before, so some names had passed him. But with this win, again, he's back in the top 10, higher, the highest ranking we've had him in since we started doing this, number seven. And a lot of people saying he's even closer to, to a title shot than Tuibasa is. So, uh, Jed, before I get to some of the other big jumps, I did want to ask you, uh, Tom Aspinall, it's a complicated uh, heavyweight title picture we have now. Of course, Francis Ngannou out with a knee injury. Almost for certain we will have an interim title soon. We've got Stevie Miocic, John Jones, CDL Gone in the mix. I uh, like we just mentioned, Taito Ifasa, who knows, could sneak in there somewhere. You are Mick Maynard slash Dana White combined into one. Let's say you have a magic wand. You have a magic wand. Uh, and almost everything, anything's possible, except let's leave Ngandu out of it. We know for sure he will not be coming back anytime soon. But you can keep Stephen Miocic, your favorite fighter. You can keep him happy and healthy uh, and, and, and pay him the money he deserves. Uh, John Jones, you can keep him off the police blotter. What does, if you're, if you're, you can do any, anything, you, and lay it out any way you want. What does the heavyweight championship picture look like uh, for the next six, seven months? I'm so glad you asked me this question because I'm going to give you the answer that no one else would. Uh, and I know that no one will agree, and I just don't care. I understand the like the, the idea to have Stipe and John Jones fight for the heavyweight title, but I don't like it. You know why I don't like it? Because neither man has a relevant heavyweight win to their names. John Jones is the light heavyweight champion forever. He hasn't been that for a long time because he hasn't fought for a long time. And we're just being honest, he didn't even look good the last few times he fought as the light heavyweight champion. I don't really have a fundamental issue, though, still with him jumping up and challenging for a title given what he has accomplished. But Stipe, man, you said that, you know, a bit tongue-in-cheek that he's my favorite fighter because I bag on him a lot. I am willing to acknowledge that Stipe Miocic is a very good fighter. But I need everyone else to acknowledge that he doesn't have a relevant heavyweight win to his name other than Francis Ngannou, who won that rematch much more convincingly than Stipe won their first fight. Stipe obviously won their first fight, but he he couldn't finish a gassed-out Ngannou for four and a half rounds. Ngannou buried him in two. Like, that's... It's still a win. It still counts. But that's the one win he has on his resume over a still current top heavyweight. Um, I, I think JDS might still be hanging on to our, our rankings, uh, which is really yeah, um, he is. more an indictment of, of <laughs> division than it is of, of anything grander than that. Somehow, num- somehow, number fifteen, number fifteen. Uh, yeah, so he's he has Overeem and and JDS a twelve and fifteen in our rankings, uh, and then obviously the Ngannou win. But as I said, Ngannou already won that. I want Stipe to have to fight somebody. Like he has spent so much of his time fighting Daniel Cormier, who's retired, and sitting out and waiting for the title fight that he deserves. And I'm not going to fight until I get it. Like. Just go out and scrap, man. You are better than most of these people. You will easily put Tai Tuivasa down. And I, I just want him to do it before he gets another title fight because he did some good things previously in his career. If I have the power of the pen, I am booking the interim title fight between Tai Tuivasa and Tom Aspinall. And no one can stop me because MMA is supposed to be fun. 
And it, there's no more fun fight than that one. You put it in England. Look, Tommy Aspinall is called for that fight. Ty Tuivasa would take it if it's for an interim belt. Stipe's still in the picture because he's Stipe. John Jones is hanging around. But just give me that fight and make those two dudes fight some people. Make John Jones show that he is actually committed to fighting a heavyweight because I'm still not convinced. He hasn't really shown any inkling other than hitting the weight room, which could be for a lot of reasons. And make Stipe earn it. Make Stipe fight Cyril Gaon. Or who, okay, I was gonna say who would, who would I say who? How would you let's say take those four names? Who would you match up with? Who uh, taking taking uh, Blades, Jones, Miocic, and uh, someone else who you just mentioned? I forgot. Gone. Uh, I mean, if Jones is gonna fight, I guess uh, I would be okay with Jones slotting in as an interim title contestant as well, just because. Whoa! But, you just said Aspinall. Hold on. That's okay. the one I want. Yeah, this is you. So this, I, this is you making I it. This is you making it. Yeah, I don't believe that John Jones is gonna fight. Is the thing. Like, I just okay. don't think. I'm saying in this scenario, fight. you can make him fight. If I can make him fight, <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. If I can make him fight, I think I just make him fight Stipe, but that's uh, not for the interim title. Not the interim, I do the interim right. title and then, for, for and then Blade, and then Blade's fight's gone. Blade's fight's gone, and that okay. that seems fine. Like, Interesting. I'm in on that. I'm in with Stipe fighting anybody who's relevant yeah. in the heavyweight division, frankly, because he just hasn't done it, and I'd like to see if he's still very good at fighting, because I have no idea. I think he is, but he has not beaten someone not named Daniel Cormier in like four years, and I'd be pretty cool if he actually had to do that. Aspinall and Tuivasa. Of all the, the heavyweights are available, fun. it is the it's most fun. The I agree. Most I'm, fun one. I'm just That's what I'm making your statement clear for our listeners. If you had your if you had your pick of any of those available names, they would be your pick for the interim for an interim heavyweight title fight. Yeah, because those guys are the most fun people to be a UFC champion. Can how I like fun it. of a world is it when when Ty Tuivasa or Tommy Espinal, Tommy Espinal <laughs> it is the interim champion of the world, That's and a, then they're probably the real champion. Francis probably isn't coming back, but if he does. Super fun fights there. Fun all around. That's what I'm for. That'll, I I hope that'll be a theme of this show. Uh, the other – now, I guess Aspinall on paper, people would say it was the biggest change. We had one, arguably two, even more massive changes in their divisions. Of course, Manon Firo, uh getting kind of lucky here, and she was originally supposed to fight – was she the one who was supposed to fight Jessica I? I am I – am I cool. something I like that, right? right there. And then she ended up getting the even higher-ranked – Jennifer Maya instead, uh, and looked good. Three-round decision, tough fight for sure, but looked good. And with that win, she jumps nine spots. Manon Firo jumps nine spots in our rankings. Now, now people could say she jumped so much because maybe we had we had underranked her. That's certainly uh, a case to be made. But uh, yeah, she is now number. She is now number six, just outside the top five, uh, behind Lauren Murphy. And I bet there's a lot of people, a lot of fans who would rank her above Lauren Murphy. So she's she's. Theoretically, a top five flyweight uh, after a victory like that. So I ranked him as Lauren Murphy. Well, there you go. So, oh, how how high is she in your rankings, Jed? I think I uh, let me pull it up real fast. Yeah, pull up I, yours. I uh, I have her at seven, seven. but that's also because yep. Mer- I have Juliana Vasquez, uh, Velasquez, okay. and Liz Liz Carmouche above yeah. her. We we all ranked her pretty high. Uh, I'll take a quick look too, and I just want to see. I just want to see where what's the lowest. The lowest is 10th. Uh, I see that she's ranked the highest as high as four. We have respect. someone ranking her at four. Yes. Respect so we have, I don't want to, let's, I don't want to name names right now, but I will say she's as high as four, as low as 10, and then everyone else kind of in the uh, six, seven, six to eight range. So 
either way, a massive performance for her, a, a very good bit of luck for her to get that opponent change. And uh, one of the biggest jumps, again, we've had since we started doing the rankings. So plus nine, also in her division, making a big jump, uh, Alexa Grasso. And not as surprising. A lot of people, I think, when they saw the Wood matchup, expected her to win that and saw this as a rankings booster fight for her. Sure enough, she did. Uh, and now she is also, I think, just she's going to end up just outside, I believe, our top 10. should be at 11. A lot of people can make a case for her being a top 10 flyweight. I certainly wouldn't argue it. And then in the men's flyweight division, my goodness, Kai Car France turning everything upside down with a very impressive win and an awesome fight against Askar Askarov. He jumps up five spots, and I can't believe it. He is now tied in our rankings with the greatest flyweight of all time, Demetrius Johnson. Tied for fourth place. Uh, I don't know if anyone would have predicted that at the beginning of this year. There we are. Uh, so some really, really uh, massive changes some unfortunate drops that I, I do want to read. Oh, sorry, I should say who entered first. Sergey Pavlich entering uh, heavyweight at, uh, he's tied for the 15th spot. He's one of those sleepers at heavyweight. We don't talk about this guy at all. But, uh, man, he's coming up. He's a physical specimen. He's got knockout power. He's looking good. He took out uh, Abdurak Kima. If he can stay fighting, that's been the issue. Is yes. Um, all kept him. If Inactivity. he can stay active, he's going to be a top 10 guy. Inactivity. Uh, number, entering at 12 at Bantamweight, Yada, Song Yadong, of course, with a win over Mohamed Ice. And look who it is, John... Lineker coming at number 14 after a very impressive win over Viviana Fernandez. Uh, yes, he is ranked at 135 pounds. Uh, it's, it's a one championship uh, bantamweight division. is a little bit different, but either way, he is now back in the rankings as a bantamweight. So there you go. John Lineker, never gone, really. And uh, I want to close here. We've got to say happy trails to some people. And I do want to have a quick question of this. Uh, we have Edson Barbosa leaving the featherweight rankings. Uh, Marlon Marais, who I just mentioned, leaving bantamweight. And Joanne Wood leaving the flyweights. So uh, these are all veteran names. They're all names that have kind of been on the decline for a while. It's not a big surprise to see him leave. Uh, I'm just going to ask you quick, Jed. Any chance you see any of these names ranked again? Um, Edson Barbosa, Marlon Marais, Joanne Wood. Top 15 at the very least. Do they have a chance? Joanne Wood's the only one who maybe has a chance because the division's still fairly open. But Joanne Wood was also the only one of those that I had ranked coming into this month. I mm -hmm. I had dropped both uh, both Barbosa and Marais. Right. Um, and I think I had Wood at like 13 or something last month. Like I already had her barely hanging on. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, time. Time wins everything. Oof. You know, it's Father Time is undefeated. Much like my rankings, which can we just say we talk we <laughs> no, talked we about Tommy Aspinall no, we can't. and his his big okay. jump. But he didn't make a big jump for me. He moved like two places because I was on board with the Tommy Aspinall train long before the rest of you. Do you want to tell people uh, the exact movement on your on your thing? Uh, may I? I look at it. Yeah. You had him seven, seven last month, so yes, much higher than I much higher than the rest of us. And now jumps in the top five. Up to, up to five. Look at that. Just behind Blades, Gone, Miocic, and Ganu. I do. I also, we don't need to talk about it, but I just want to say, similarly, I was big on Arnold Allen. I continued to advance Arnold Allen. The rest of you guys are still lagging a little behind. So everybody else okay. needs to hear this. You're calling your shot. Recognize. You've all figured out to get on the Rene the Ritter train, <laughs> which is great. I love that everyone's on that train. Did I? Oh, I did. Ah. But the Arnold Allen train, that's Darn the it. next one. Choo-choo, get, get involved, guys. We all, five featherweight. You have him so high. You have him fifth. Top you five have, featherweight, baby. That is incredible. Uh, hey, look. Und what is he now? 9-0 in the UFC? 
I just I don't know what the it's hard to argue against that. I'm not I'm not even gonna call you out for it. Nine and zero in the he UFC is winning. Damn impressive. He's winning. And the kind of like you said with Pavlovich, I mean, he just need, if he had just been more uh, active over the last couple of years. Who knows? He might be top five in the UFC's rankings, right? So, uh, but anyway, uh, and well, one more name, and I want to tease it for later. Uh, we were going to have some pound for pound talk. Colby Covington enters the top twenty. It's kind of surprising he wasn't actually in there, oh. and takes the spot of one Mister Demetrius Johnson. So, uh, uh, Jed, I don't want to talk about that now. I'm going to bring in our esteemed guests in a second, of course, our good pals, uh, Michael Heck and uh, Damon Martin, for uh, the second segment of our show. We're going to touch upon a few topics, but I, I assure you, I assure you, loyal listeners. We're gonna, you haven't heard the last of this Demetrius Johnson talk. We are going to talk about uh, the mightiest of mouses and uh, him being out of the pound-for-pound pound rankings and what this could mean for him. Because uh, yeah, it's really going to hurt him emotionally when he sees this. But what, what, his, current, what his current career arc is and his, uh, you know, his, his activity means going forward. So thank you, guys. Uh, we're going to take a little break here, and then we will be right back with Mike and Damon. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, uh, thank you, Chad, for helping me just do a little recap there of what was a, like a pretty busy uh, March. I mean, as we expected it to be, we knew we, we knew it would be a busy March. We had a, we had quite a few ranked fights, especially at flyweight, both the men's and women's divisions. So uh, exciting stuff. I think a, a pretty exciting start to the show. Now, it only gets better from here, as you know. Uh, as you know, he says, look, we I, again, I wish Shaheen were here. But thankfully, we have our usual members of the Brain Trust available, Jed, not just me and yourself, but the esteemed Mike Heck. The equally esteemed Dave Martin Boyce. Thank you for uh, for joining us as always for the uh, the second part of the show. The uh, we have a little a little fun discussion. Oh yeah, always ready to talk rankings and find out who I'm going to piss off this week. <laughs> yeah, Damon was actually kind of nice to me the last time we were on this together. When the first couple, he just I mean, my self esteem was I mean I was a flyweight in self esteem. That's that's for darn sure. But happy to be back. Hopefully we can keep those same positive vibes moving forward. I don't think I did anything too egregious this month, so I think we're okay. <laughs> Listen, no we're one's, not gonna... no, no one's going to go Will Smith on this podcast. We are, all right, all right. Get your Will Smith references in now. All right, all right. They'll be they'll be stale by ne- hopefully it'll be stale by next month. And we'll never talk about this again. But all right, now, uh, guys, I don't think there's anything we're going to talk about today that should be too contentious. Uh, I'm not a Shaheen Al Shadi. I'm not a, a a disturber 
I'm not a line stepper. I want friendly, cordial conversation. Uh, you know, I don't like debates. I don't like arguments. I like everyone just agreeing. And I think I'm sure we'll agree on a lot of these topics. Uh, again, feel free to bring up. We're all looking at the rankings right now. Feel free to bring up each other's rankings if you need to. But again, that's not, this is not an airing of grievances, guys. Let's try and keep that annual, biannual. The first topic, and we talked about these guys a little bit, again, at the beginning because of the huge jumps they made in the rankings. Uh, but they didn't just move up the rankings. These are fighters who are now legitimately in the range of a title shot. So there's a lot of people to discuss here, but let's just kind of focus on three or four names that, that competed recently. Because I want to know, of some of the big movers in March, guys, who do you think is most likely to become champion? Now, this could mean because you think they can beat the current champion, because, again, there's a murky title situation where a title may end up being vacated. Whatever the scenario is that you need to do the math in your head to make an argument for someone. We're going to primarily talk about, of course, Tom Aspinall, obviously the biggest the biggest breakout star of uh, of March. And then, of course, we want to talk about Manon Figueroa and Alexa Grasso, who made huge jumps in the flyweight division, and uh, Kai Car France, who, I mean, uh, depending who you ask, according to maybe uh, Davidson Figueroa, whoever's tweeting for him, might be the new number one contender at 125 pounds. So I don't know how you guys want to do this. Maybe we'll do a roundtable. Uh, Jed, they've heard enough from us for a bit. Let's go to let's go to Mike first. We'll, we'll, we can break into some other names later. But of Aspinall, Menon, Alexa Grasso, and Kai Car France, Who's most likely to become champ, and and how? What is the scenario? So we can, I think we can all agree that we can eliminate Fioro and Grasso from this conversation only because you put a disclaimer in there. Any scenario that doesn't involve Valentina leaving the division or retiring, so we can eliminate both of them. Even though, oh they're no, fine you, you can, if you if you can, you can come up with one for sure. I, I'm just like I, I'm just if, I, that was like much more of a challenge. I cannot. Like, if anyone has a scenario where you, where you think they beat Valentina anytime soon, I'm all ears. No. But I'm just assuming most of us didn't. So it's a two-horse race here. Does Valentina get attacked by, like, a wild animal <laughs> on her way to the cage? She'll she... still beat the animal eventually and come back and fight. So, I mean. Very, very likely. I would take Valentina Shevchenko over, like, a small bear. So, <laughs> like, maybe not, like, a, a grizzly, like, a full-grown grizzly, but, like, a little baby black bear. Shevchenko all day. I don't like want to think about. I don't want to think about Valentina Shevchenko choking a little bit. Baby bears are adorable. The bear that got shot in the butt in the movie The Great Outdoors. I pick Valentina Shevchenko minus four fifty <laughs> against that bear. But that that's new, besides new, the point. The new assassin baby, according to uh, to you guys, you should take that little bear. Yes. Uh, so that leaves you with Aspinall and Kaikar France. And truth be told, I think both of those guys are going to be champions. I feel confident that they will both be champions. Kaikar France's performance. I said it on, on to the next one. When he does fight for the belt, I am picking him to win against either Davis and Figueredo or Brandon Moreno. I just feel wow. like it's his time. I feel like Askarov is probably the toughest fight in this division right now. Really difficult challenge to beat that guy. He does everything very well. The wrestling, all that stuff. Yeah, he does tend to fade down the stretch, but Askarov is a tough out for anybody. And I believe Kaikar France when he said that nobody wanted to fight him. And he went out there, said yes. Even though he was probably the number one contender, even though coming off the Cody Garbrandt win, you could have arguably thrown him into a title fight right there and then. I'm still going to go with Tommy Aspinall here. I think Tommy Aspinall will get there first. I think he will become champion first. I think Kyra France is going to get there, but I think he's going to have to wait a little while because... This fight between Moreno and Figueredo is going to happen. I have a feeling it's going to be a war. One of those fights that's going to take both guys out of action for a little while. 
And I think with this heavyweight division being so clustered right now, I think there's you can make a scenario, you can make the case that somehow Tommy Aspinall will get an opportunity maybe sooner than he should just by those circumstances. So I'm going to go with Aspinall. I just think he's, his ceiling's a, a little bit higher, but I do believe Kyra France will be, the, will be a champion as well. Okay, if you, oh, but so if you had, but if you had to pick one, I'm say, picking Aspinall number one. You're going and Aspinall, Kyra France, uh, not far behind at number two, but I think both will be champions within the next eighteen months. Wow, uh, Aspinall wise, I'm sorry, I know you kind of broke it down there, uh, but so, but it, it, you're saying a scenario where this is a scenario where maybe he beats France Ngannou, or we're assuming France Ngannou might be out of the picture by the time Aspinall gets a title shot, or, or we're talking vacant title, interim title as well, possibly. Yeah, it, it, either way, because I, okay. I mean the interim like. If there's an interim title fight in July, let's just say they all good things happen and Steep A fights John Jones and we have some sort of victor there, maybe they they have another title fight after that and that belt has to be defended while Nganu continues to move on and maybe Aspinall slides into that spot. I think they go with Tai Tuivasa, but maybe they match Aspinall and Tai Tuivasa up and I would pick Tommy, Tommy Aspinall to beat Tai Tuivasa. So. I think Aspinall will get there first. I think he will have first crack, whether it's interim or, or the undisputed. I wish his role, they would slow him down a little bit. Maybe just give him one more fight in the UK against Derek Lewis or anybody else in the top 10. Just give him a win. Let him build that experience up a little more. But I honestly, I think he's the real deal. And I think when he gets his chance, he's going to be a champion. So 18 months, both guys will win titles. But I think Aspinall, I favor him more than Car France, if that makes sense. Wow. Man, Tom Aspinall really broke out. Like, we really had him. There was a little bit, I would say, about a year ago, or maybe a little less than a year ago, that cluster of him, obviously, Chris Dacus, you know, before he had the couple losses. Uh, and uh, Tai Tuivasa was kind of in there. Uh, Sergey Spivak's in there. And then uh, a guy, I guess we, we should also be mentioning, um, Sergey Pavlovich, who also just got a big win. It, it's crazy that Aspinall has, like, really, like, I think, head and shoulders above them. I can see Jed kind of chomping at the bit here. But, uh, again, Jed, I know we, we talked about Aspinall earlier. So, Damon, do you agree with Mike? Do you think that uh, it, it's it's got to be Aspinall? No, I think Mike took some crazy pills this morning when he did his oh, new podcast. So, uh, listen, I like Tom Aspinall. He's a, he's a solid prospect. The problem is, he's, you know, yes, beating Alexander Volkov is impressive. I'm not going to take that away from him. But thus far, you know, Tom Aspinall has been going out there and taking guys down, now grappling them as a British heavyweight. Now, the, no offense to British heavyweights, but British fighters are not known for having the best wrestling. If he can go out there and do that against Curtis Blades or Steven Miocic, maybe I'll become a bigger believer. But the reality is there are more unknowns with Tom Aspinall. He hasn't fought the best guys in the division. You know, Alexander Volkov is a, is a good fighter. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, Alexander Volkov has never been a top five, top six heavyweight. He's always kind of been the gatekeeper to that top five or top six. If he goes out there and does that to Stipe, he goes out there and does that to Curtis Blades, he goes out there and does that to Cyril Gaon, sure, I'll be a believer. But I'm not a believer yet because his biggest win is over Alexander Volkov, and Volkov has never been quite that guy. Uh, and also, heavyweight is so volatile, it's so hard to predict because, you know, as you said, year, year and a half ago, Chris Dawkins looked like a pretty solid prospect, and now he's lost two in a row and everyone's saying he's a light heavyweight. So it doesn't take much for you to fall out of favor at heavyweight. One big punch from Derek Lewis, and Tom Aspinall is suddenly thinking he's, you know, from Finland. He's no longer from Britain. Um I like the Tai Tuivasa matchup for him because I, I'm also not completely sold on Tai Tuivasa, so I think that's a fight he could get and win. Um, but I don't like him to beat a guy like Curtis Blades. I think that is 100% the worst possible matchup for him in this division. Um, 
And if Francis comes back, I don't know that anybody beats Francis uh, right now. So I just think the odds are against Aspinall. With Kaikar of France, you know, he's in a – when I say he's in a less volatile uh, division in terms of, you know, unpredictability. You know, heavyweight is so unpredictable in terms of, like, again, one bad shot and you're gone. Um, you don't typically have that at flyweight, and he's already right there. I mean, he may end up getting the title shot in July if they can't come to terms – with Figueredo to fight Moreno a fourth time. So there's a chance he gets in there. And, and I agree. I think, you know, Asker Askarov, you know, could be arguably the, the toughest matchup for anybody at flyweight, you know, champion or not. And he went out there and beat him. Very close decision. You could argue that Askarov got it, but either way, it was a very good fight. And, and Kai Car France pulled off a big one. Um, he may get the next title shot. He may get the next one after that. But I, I, I believe he has a better chance of beating a Brandon Moreno or beating a Devison Figueredo, then I would say Aspinall has a chance of beating Francis Ngannou right now, beating Stephen Miocic, beating John Jones, beating Curtis Blades. I would not pick him to win any of those fights. Uh, but I would say Kai Car France has a chance to beat Figueredo. He does have a chance to beat Brandon Moreno. Uh, he does have a chance to, to beat anybody in that division. So uh, I think it's Kai Car France. I'm not sitting here saying I'm ultra confident that he's going to do it, but if anyone's going to do it, I think it's I think it's him. And and just to throw this out there, listen, I think uh Mano looked great. I love Alexa Grasso at flyweight. Um unless Valentina Shevchenko gets hit by a bus tomorrow, she's not getting beat. I mean, she's just not. No one's no one's beating. I'm sorry. She's no How one's big beating a bus. <laughs> yeah, now we're gonna talk bus sizes. She's here. splitting the bus in half, dude. Like, like yeah, a London. double decker, like a double decker, like England, you know, sightseeing bus, maybe. Uh, maybe then you get like that, or like you know, if if, if Sandra Bullock is driving the bus, maybe. <laughs> oh, but no. uh, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, no, you're not beating Shevchenko. And so I, I, I'm kind of going Kai Car France because he's the closest, and I actually think he has a chance to beat the current guys there. I like Tom Aspinall. I just, I write, if you're, if you're sitting around right now saying pick again, you know, pick him fighting Curtis Blades. I don't see him beating Curtis Blades. I don't see him beating Stipe. I don't see him beating John Jones. I don't see him beating uh, Nganu. And I think even Cyril Gan would be a tough matchup. So I'm just not sold on Aspinall yet. I like that. So Aspinall, I'll, Aspinall, I think we all agree, has sort of a pretty clear path to the title. Uh, I guess Kyle Kerfess is now too, actually, after that win. But which I seem to be hearing that we think Kai Car France has a better chance against the top of the division. Mike, uh, you were accused of being on recreational drugs uh, by Damon just now. So a quick rebuttal before I go to Jed. I just think we're we're underrating Aspinall's performance against Volkov because nobody does that. Oh. Nobody does what he did to Volkov. People beat Volkov, but they don't go out there and run through the man in two minutes. That's what he did. He made that look easy. He made it look like Volkov was, was Jay freaking Ellis out there who is a 17, 113. Like, you just took him down and, and beat him like it was nothing. Like, that was super impressive. Nobody does that. You might get a you might get one over. Even Curtis Blades, as good as Curtis Blades' look. It wasn't all that long ago that Curtis Blades beat him via unanimous decision. He can go out there and crush him in two minutes like Tommy Aspinall did. And Tom didn't break a sweat, and he made it look super easy. And it's not like a... And it wasn't a flash knockout. It was pure dominance he took him down did whatever he wanted to do and beat him so i think i think damon might be underrating aspinall's performance i agree with you i i would like to see the ufc slow roll him a little bit i'd like to see him get another couple of wins before he fights for the title but i have a feeling that if he gets another uk rub which like jed has said in the past tommy aspinall's next fight needs to be in the uk the guy needs to fight in front of a home crowd 
I don't care if he fights Tuivasa. I don't care if he fights Derek Lewis. I don't care if he fights Volkov again. It doesn't matter. Just get him in there. Let him get some reps in. Let him get the star pop. And then we'll see what happens. I'd like to see him, I'd like to see him like 18 months get a title shot, maybe two years. But I have a feeling that's not going to happen. And I think he's I think he's better than some people are giving him credit for, including yourself, Maya. With all due respect, Damon. Hold, hold on, guys. Hold on. Just using the calculator. Yeah, I'm using the MMA fighting math calculator. I hope you ran that by financial. It's trust me, it's fine. I'll clear. Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. That's what I always say when I break out the calculator. But because Mike is using some math there, saying you know he finished Volkov and and Curtis Blades didn't, and the calculator does kind of shine favorably on that. It has a lot of permutations that it's in a very advanced technology. That's why it costs eighty two thousand dollars every time we use it. So I like thinking, Mike. Again, I don't always agree because you know styles make fights and all that. So some guys are gonna be more, you know, more able to finish guys than others. But it's a it's a good point to bring up. Now, Jed, I think has been waiting, has been a good boy. He's been patient long enough. I feel like there's a there's a strong point he wants to make. So we've got one uh, argument for. Oh, wait, we've got both both Kai Car. I'm Kai Car France. He was Tom Aspinall. Oh yeah, Tom Aspinall will get there for. All right, Mike said both will probably win. Tom Aspinall first. Okay, uh, Jed, where are you going? Are you going with one of these two? Or you're going off board. Look. My colleagues here are both smart, handsome men who are just stone wrong. Um, and it's not their fault. It's their fault about one thing, because while they may disagree, they agreed on one point, which is arguably the the most bothersome thing to me in this whole thing, was that we agreed that Askar Askarov was the toughest matchup for Kaika of France, which is objectively not true. You know why? Because he, he beat Askar Askarov, and he didn't beat Brandon Moreno. <laughs> and it's and I think right now we could all ask, do we think Brandon Moreno right now is better than the Brandon Moreno that, that fought Kakao France two years ago? I think we'd all be in agreement that he is. So it's not like, well, Moreno's old and washed. <laughs> like it's obviously the most difficult matchup for him in this division is Brandon Moreno. That's why I'm not going to pick Kai. I think Kai I'd be really interested in a fight between him and Davidson Figueredo. I, I could see that going either way. I do think Brandon Moreno is just a really tough out, and that was a good fight, their first one. But I, I thought Brandon Moreno kind of cleanly won it, and I would favor him to to win a rematch again. On the Tommy Aspinall thing, I, I side a lot with with Damon what he said. I do think the big the big benefit to Tommy Aspinall, other than the song Tommy Aspinall, Tommy Aspinall, uh, is he's he's young in a division that's old and so i like damon i would favor Nganu over him i'd favor blades over him but tommy keeps telling us that we've only seen a little bit of, of what he's able and if that's true then strap the boots to him he's going to be champion for 12 years but even if that's not he's still going to have plenty of opportunities in this division to to win it for me i think for if either of those men won the title, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I think it's it's in the realm of possibility. But if they don't, I won't be shocked if neither man wins it. My my pick, very obvious, Muhammad Muhammad Makayev. If he doesn't win a belt before his career is done in the UFC, I will be stunned. This kid is 21 years old. He has a. We talked about him a lot coming into UFC London. He opened the show four second submission or whatever nonsensically fast guillotine dominance that was of Cody Durden. Uh, 
he fights like like everything that was said about Kai Kara France. That the division is a little more open. He is so young. He is so good. He is so experienced already. This kid is going straight to the moon. And maybe he doesn't win it in his first time. Maybe it takes him a few years to get there. Like I said, if he doesn't end up holding a UFC title, I will be pretty surprised. Whereas with the other two gentlemen, if they won, it wouldn't shock me. But if they never held the belt, I also it wouldn't shock me either. So for me, it's, it's gotta be Mikhaev. I knew, uh, I just want to say, I, I, I knew Jed would go off board. Uh, I, I'd had, I'd hoped it wouldn't happen so quickly, but, uh, he has been talking a lot about Mikhaev since that performance. So really not surprising. Uh, so you're, so I want just to reiterate Jed. So of the, of all the names you mentioned, including the possibility of, you know, Valentina leaving the division and, 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 uh, you know, a new champion, have a new crown anyway, let's say they don't let her keep the flyweight title. You would still pick Makayev uh, from all those names we sort of just we sort of discussed. Two, if you had to pick one, if you had to pick one, who will? If I had to pick here? one, I think Makayev is the most likely person in in the group of contenders who have fought this past month to become a champion. It's not on a timeline. If it's I'm cold. if I'm picking only for speed, it's Tom Aspinall because he's got the shortest right. route and the right. easiest path. But if I have to, if they don't become a champion, mm-hmm. and and I will die. <laughs> If my life is on the line, I'm stacking my chips behind Mahayev. That's it. Well, uh, I, I can I can give you a little inside baseball here and said we had some last minute scrambling to get Mahayev into a couple of rankings. Jed, yours and uh, Mike as well. I believe you also threw Mahayev in your rankings. So, uh, do you want to say a few words about this flyweight, this ridiculous flyweight prodigy who has like this, all this amateur experience? Looked incredible. He fought for Brave before coming to the UFC. It looked incredible in his UFC debut. Are you on the same uh, wavelength with Jed here as far as uh, Makayev's chances? Yeah, I mean, he's going to be a champion. I, I he's completely going to agree with that. He's going to be. He's going to win the title. I don't know. I mean, it might be five years from now, but he'll win the title. He'll get there. That's the thing. Five years from now, he's still only twenty friggin' six. I know. Like God, Brandon Moreno so is going to be an old flyweight in five years, and Makayev is just going to be hitting like not even hitting his physical peak. This dude is getting a belt. It's yeah. so early to say. I I can never. I, I'll say I'm I'm probably one of the people. Know, I'm one of the most like conservative uh, people when it comes to predicting champions, predicting fights, and things like that. So I I, I I I I'm boring. I'm a boring human being. Okay, this is we know this. This is a fact. So for me to project that this young man who has one UFC fight, you know, 21, uh, 21 years old, I I can't make that leap. So I I definitely would go with. I mean, from the list that we have, I do think. I, and I'm not just saying this to disagree with you guys. I do think that Valentina um, will go obviously defend one more time, probably go up to win the bantamweight title. And if she does, she beats Juliana Pena or Amanda Nunes. I think she'll hang around for a defense, and they won't let her keep it. Like I said, she can always go back down. So I do think an interim title will will uh, be contested. And I think Manuel Fiora will be one of the names in that in that matchup. And um, so I will go off board, uh, not off board, but I'll just go against you guys and say. I think she might beat Aspinall and Carver Franz uh, to a title. Again, maybe I'm just very high off of this nice win over a top 10 opponent in Jennifer Maya. Uh, Damon, what do you think about the, the Makayev stuff, though? I mean, is, is that are you as, as bullish as these guys saying, like, it's definitely going to happen based on what you've he, seen? Muhammad Makayev will be a UFC champion without wow. doubt in my mind. He is a prodigy. He is an incredibly talented kid. Uh, I mean, he has the Dagestani wrestling roots. He has incredible strength. He is the complete package. I mean, he is the, like, I didn't put him in that list only because I know it's going to take him longer. You know what I mean? Like I'm saying Kai Kara France could be champion this year because he may fight for the title this year. 
it may take Muhammad Makayev a couple of years to get to that point just because, you know, they might build him up slowly and, you know, allow him to take some fights. And, you know, I think it's hard to put a timeline on it. He will be a champion, though. I am 100% a believer in Muhammad Makayev. I think that kid is a prodigy and 100% he will be a champion. And to your point about flyweight, I think even if, if Shevchenko went to bantamweight and became champion and decided she wanted to go to featherweight and become champion, they're yes, still going to let her keep that title because. I, listen, unless unless Misha Tate becomes like you know an incredibly new fighter and somehow dethrones Valentina, which I don't see happening in any way, shape, or form, they don't have a mark. I mean, I love Casey O'Neill. I think she's an incredibly marketable fighter and, and, and an incredible fighter in her own right. Mano looked great this past weekend. I love Alexa Grasso, but Valentina is the longest reigning champion, you know, and and she's the face of the women's division right now. Uh, you don't take a title away from her if she just decides she wants to go up and beat Juliana Pena for a second time. You just don't. So unless the, unless she decides to give up the title, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the UFC would ever strip her or or tell her she has to make a choice. I don't see that happening. She's not in the Conor McGregor position where they're going to say you're holding up a division because they know Valentina doesn't do that. She will fight four times a year if that's what's necessary. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm going to raise. I'm raising Jed here. Not only will Muhammad Mohayev be a flyweight champion, but he will make that short list of fighters who have won championships in two different divisions. He will win the Bantamweight title as well at some point. He's that good. I'm convinced. Moon. I'm convinced we he's that are good. to the moon yeah. on Mohayev. When he's 26, AK, 27. Get on board. Yeah. Strap on the rockets and let's go to the moon, AK, because we're all on board. Yep, I'm, I'm I'm that convinced. He's a special talent, and it's not often when we see these guys come along. Hamzat Shamayev and Mahayev, not quite to that level just yet, but I think I think he could be. I absolutely think he could be. Again, another win, another winner too. <laughs> yeah, and they're being really smart. Looks like he's going to fight on the International Fight Week card against opponent TBD. It's not going to be Tim Elliott, although I would favor him to beat Tim Elliott right now, even though that's such a difficult matchup for a lot of guys in this division. So, yeah, strap the strap the rockets to him because but don't like strap him now. Just build the rockets, put him on in, on the garage wall and just, you know, Build a nice case with multiple locks on it. Maybe some, maybe some, uh, some dials gotta, on it. You got to build the launch pad. Like yeah, the build launch the pad launch pad. Fire the rockets from is like four hundred feet of concrete. But we got to build that out and then to the moon, AK to yeah. the moon. Seatbelts, stand, Listen, push the button, gone. Guys, Two division I'm, champion. On the Prince of Positivity, I'm never going to begrudge you guys. You know, pumping the uh, pumping the tires for some for some prospect. I mean, it, it's it's great. He again, he looked great. Uh, he, he's, he was really, I actually thought he was also pretty good during media day too. I mean, or, or at least he had the story ready, the whole elevator story. You know what I mean? It, even if it was like a rehearsed Handsome thing, man. not a bad looking kid, not a bad looking kid. Certainly, certainly a marketable. Yeah. And he's yeah. 21. He's 21. <laughs> now you're just making me mad because I've, you know, now I'm thinking, what was I doing when I was 21 and all that? And I tell you something, it was not winning UFC fights and being projected by uh, an esteemed panel of experts to I think all three of you use the G word guaranteed in the in the world of mixed martial arts and combat sports where I would say literally nothing is guaranteed. All three of you. My voice just cracked there. All three of you use the word guaranteed. And I don't disagree. By the way, I don't disagree with Mike about bantamweight as well. I just didn't put that on him because I don't know when that's going to happen. But I don't disagree. I think that's absolutely a possibility. 
he may fall out of love in MMA in a year and decide to go uh, become a professional bass player. We don't know. This is this I'm is not ridic- willing to this guarantee is the bantamweight, but I but respect Mike so much for doing it. <laughs> I respect him so. I won't guarantee it. I can see it. I'm not there to guarantee it. God, do I respect the take. Listen, let me see him beat uh, Mateus Nicolau first, and then I'll. Well, we can talk, all right? Minus 600. I feel like we're not talking about Nicolau enough, okay? Nicolau is it's one of the most underrated. <laughs> no? I guys, love Nicolau. Guys, ch- chime in I at love, any moment. If ever. I love Nicolau. I picked, him to, I picked him to win that fight. I bet on him to win that fight. He oh, won nice. that fight. It was great. I think he is going to fight for the flyweight title at one point in his career. And, I mean, depending on how the matchup goes, maybe he gets it. But I'm not strapping the Rockets to Nicolau. Like, it's just – right. there are levels to this game. Mahayev is the, the apex prospect. He's what Aaron Pico was supposed oh to be. Yes, this, this young man has one UFC fight. You guys are are unbelievable. And I mean that in a good way. You guys are I, – are, I wouldn't believe that you guys – were existed if I did not work with you regularly. You guys are unbelievable. Uh, okay, I want to do more championship talking. I realize actually this next segment I should have probably led with this because uh, I think this could lead to some. No, actually, no. I'm glad I built up to it because I, I like that. I think you guys, other than again uh, uh, Damon taking his usual cheap, cheap shots at Mike, I think <laughs> I think uh, that was fairly agreeable. I think, but this is, might lead to some contentious contentious uh, discussion. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. We have uh, six title fights now lined up, officially lined up, for UFC 273, UFC 274, UFC 275 coming up. Uh, each, again, fingers crossed, we'll have two title fights on it. 273, we'll see the featherweights, uh, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky defend against, uh, late re- not late replacement, but replacement for Max Holloway, the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. And also, finally, again, my fingers could not be crossed more, Aljamain Sterling versus Piotr Jan to champion versus champion, but we're kind of calling it a the title defense for uh, Aljamain Sterling, however you want to look at it. Uh, UFC 274, Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje, maybe the most anticipated of all these fights I'm about to mention. Uh, and then Rose Namajunas versus Carla Esparza finally getting her shot. That's also a, a rematch. I should have made a note there. Long-awaited and well-deserved rematch. And UFC 275, the ageless Grover Teixeira versus the man who has already been anointed by some of our panel as the champion at light heavyweight, uh, Yuri Prohachka. And also we are expecting Valentina Shevchenko to go for yet another defense against uh, Tyler Santos, who, uh, ready or not, is getting her shot. So... Boys, I've set the over-under here. We're going to play a little over-under. I have set the over-under two and a half new UFC champions of those from those uh, six title fights. So, uh, actually, Jed, I want to start with you this time. You are our gambling expert. Uh, so this is, I mean, this isn't exactly the most complicated thing to bet on. But over-under two and a half new champions by the time these three events are done. First, let me just say, AK, really well set line. Because this is... 
if this if this was up, if it was three and a half, I have an easy answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am very conflicted, and it for me it comes down to the Sterling Yan fight. Ah, because uh, I'm I you know, we'll we'll hear what everyone else has to say. I am going to be picking Justin Gaethje to to take the belt from Charles Oliveira. I know that you are are the A one number one mm-hmm. Chucky Olive stand, but <laughs> I've been I've been backing Gaethje since. Okay forever and i'm gonna ride that train until the wheels fall off so that's one i'm also gonna take prohashka over to share i'm sure mike will have some things to say about that come, <laughs> come time uh and so for me i think volko's the best i think volko's the best featherweight that's not happening we've already talked enough about chipchenko right. that ain't happening i suspect uh namahunas will get it done over the spars though that's maybe a closer fight and so for me it's sterling yon to and I currently have Aljamain Sterling ranked as the top bantamweight in the world, and that changes every other day in my head as I think about this rematch and, and how it will go. Because obviously Jan was winning the first one until he lost the first one. <laughs> and I I feel like Sterling has a really good chance to win this fight, but also maybe that's just me standing on a corner too long. So I'm going to take the over just because I think two of these are definitely going to happen. And then with four other fights, I just need one more to, to cash it. But it's a great, great line. Really well set at two and a half. As, aside from uh, Sterling on two, and I said that would be not likely to decide. Aside from that one, what would be the next one that would make you consider going over? The Namahunas Esparza. I, oh. I suspect, uh, I think... I think Rose is a really good fighter. I think Rose has also had lapses. And I, I think that she is unquestionably a better fighter than Carla Esparza. But I think the style matchup uh, is is still not... It's not, like, ideal for Namahunas. And I she has had moments where she has just kind of not been dialed in in the cage. I just don't know how up she'll be for this. Like, it's anything's in play with her and so i think she's the least safe of the ones that i'm picking to retain at least that's how it feels to me she's always kind of is i don't know it doesn't sound so insulting to say like she always feels like she's in danger in a lot of her fights it's almost like a gsp i think gsp there was some element to that as well it's not in every matchup but in a lot of his matchups you always felt like he'd get knocked out you always felt like he was his his opponent had some sort of specialty that if they oh if they were able to make the fight this way then they could beat him and of course it turned out not to be the case I do wonder if Namajunas again is going to go down that same path where we keep it makes her fight so compelling because we think like oh yeah well this person now, again Jessica Andrade that knockout power and uh, Sparza just the elite wrestling you know and she beat her the first time and um and then if she keeps you know maybe she can put together a GSP like run probably needs to be a little more active but I do feel like um. There's that vulnerability, that that weirdly appealing vulnerability that makes us want to watch her fights. Now, uh, honestly, I think it just—I honestly think it just comes down to like she clearly has other interests outside of fighting, like, and that's a good thing for her as a person. Like, she is interested in helping, like, saving the world and and her farm and animals, and like, that's all really good. But it's like people when they talk about the NFL draft, coaches get really into does this guy love football? Because if he doesn't, that's and like I don't. Sometimes it just feels like this is a job that Rose is very good at. And so she does it because she's very good at it and she can make money with it. But like this isn't really where her passion and her heart lies. And so at any given time, that gives me pause about, okay, 
it's easier if that's your mentality it's easier to have that mentality climbing up the mountain than it is to be at the top of the mountain because you hear champions talk all the time about how it's really difficult to just every day have to give your best when you've already done it and everybody else is the one who's got the chip on their shoulder they're trying to prove something and so i think she's like i said i think she's a much better fighter than esparza but i think esparza is probably the one that's more motivated coming into this fight and so that just gives me i'm still picking rose to win i'm just saying that that's the one that gives me the most pause because i I just don't know how how invested she is going to be in defending her belt. Mm. All right, Mike, I want to go to you next. Are you, I don't know if you want to address the, that Namajunas analysis first or the kind of premature burial of uh, New, Eng- New England's own Glover Teixeira that, uh, that Jed mentioned before. So <laughs> I'll go to you. Feel free. I don't know. You want to talk to Teixeira? You want to talk to Namajunas? Talk about someone else. Uh, the yeah. glove has been thrown, Mike. Please respond. And also, uh, when you when you feel when you feel ready, give me your your over under two and a half. Well, I mean, this this is the easiest question of the day. This is oh. this is the UNDER of of all UNDERs because Volko's going to win. Peter Piotr Jan's going to beat Aljamain Sterling. So there's your one. Oliver Gaethje is interesting. That would be my contentious one to make it two, but I'm still going to lean with Charles Oliver to come through the fire and get it done. I think Nama Yunus wins relatively easy against Carla Esparza. Like I, I think Carla's run has been great. She has a lot going on in her life too. She's about to get married. I think she's getting married a week after this fight. So she's going to be thinking about that. And trust me when I tell you this, when it's wedding time, it's very hard to focus on anything else. Even if you're in a cage fighting another woman, it's very difficult to focus on that when you have a wedding to plan. So there's that. And plus, we can. Uh, Carla has done a great job, and she should have got this title fight a long time ago. And we have been, been on top of the mountain, tooting the horn for Carla Esparza to get this fight. But the last time Carla Esparza had the light shone bright upon her, she got pounded badly by Ioana and Jacek. And it took her a long time to get over that fight. A long time. Years to get past that. Now she's going to have to, it's not the same thing, but she's going to be dealing with a fight week, fighting for a title. It's going to bring back some old memories of the extra media and doing all the extra stuff. And maybe there's some motivation there and you, and she's learned some stuff along the way. But I just feel like Nama Yunus is just, is more equipped for that situation than Carlos Barz is. And like Rose needed to be there and lose to, to find it again and find her love. She's been through way, like way more stuff. And I feel like she is focused. Like, she does have this other stuff, but I feel like with all the ups and downs she's had in her career, she has found perfect balance in her life to be a professional fighter, to grow a bunch of vegetables and save the world and do all these things that Jed mentioned. So I think Nami Yunus will... I I don't think she goes out there and finishes Esparza, but I think it's a very clear 50-45 kind of performance. Okay. So just one still. Just one. Peter Jan still. Yes. Valentina Shevchenko versus Tyler Santos. I think Tyler Santos will bring some interesting challenges to the table, but, <laughs> but Shevchenko's going to. <laughs> Damon, please, Damon. Please. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, Shev... I couldn't control it. I'd love to hear what those challenges are beyond. I'm trying to be uh, nice. Which bones Valentina's going to break punching her? Listen, I'm trying to be nice here. She's going to present some interesting challenges. She's tall. She's rangy. She does a lot of things very well. She's going to lose and lose decisively to Valentina Shevchenko. So that's a no. And Glover Teixeira is going to submit Yuri Prohashka in the first round. 
I'm telling you right now. First, you have been saying this for a while. For anyone uh, who's just hearing Mike's prediction first, this is nothing new. You have said, I think on other previous shows, you do believe Jiu-Jitsu will overcome Prohashka. He hasn't faced anyone recently anyway with Teixeira's level of grappling. You think once it gets down there, it's over. He's been saying it since Glover Glover Like I've been saying it since Glover beat Jan Blachowicz. Uh And I I said on the post-fight show that day. Glover needs one takedown and the fight is over. One takedown. That's it. Now, getting that takedown is going to be very, very difficult because Yuri Prohashka is a freaking animal. The guy is nothing but chaos. But Glover is so seasoned. He just needs one. He could just run across the cage and body lock him and take him down and the fight (laughs) is over. So he just needs one takedown. If he gets one takedown, he wins the fight. Yuri could wow. beat him, and Yuri's going to be heavily favored to do so, and maybe I'm on an island here. But All Glover right. just needs one takedown, and he will get that takedown and win. So I'm saying one, maybe two of these titles change hands. Jan will probably be the one. Oliver I'm not as confident about, but Gaethje could win it. So, yeah, wow. there'll be no more than two so of these bad you're boys. So you're pretty much going one. You pretty much said just one. Yeah, one and, and a even half. The one, and even the one you picked he's already interim champion. So it's like, it's like, he's our, our one guy that kind of has a title. Our Piotr Jan is someone you're most confident about. So interesting. Mike going up, Mike, you're, Mike expecting, we're going to hear a lot of ants still over the next, uh, over the next three or four months. Interesting. Okay. Uh, again, I, I, I know we can, we can circle back to some of these, but Damon, of course, I want to give you your turn first. Where are you on this one, man? Two and a half over under. Well, I got to give credit where credit's due. My man, Mike Heck is 100% on the money. Uh, yeah. I'm under, I'm going under as well. I think, you know, Volkanovski and Shevchenko are as, are as close as locks as you can have in terms of defending champions. I don't see either of them losing. Uh, I think Peter Yan is the biggest lock to become a new champion. I think he, I think he washes Aljamain Sterling. I think this is a one-sided beatdown. I think this fight doesn't last three rounds. Uh, Peter Peter Yan is an animal. That guy, is, I I was slow to come around on Peter Yan because I was like, man, he gets hit a little bit too much, and I'm not really sure. The way he went out there and and took out Corey Sandhagen after that first round, I was so incredibly impressed by that. And yes, I know Aljamain beat Corey Sandhagen, but it's a completely different matchup. And he was dominating Aljamain Sterling until he threw the illegal knee and lost the fight. So Peter Yan is my lock to become a new champion. My gut says Gaethje wins. My gut okay. says Gaethje beats so Oliveira. That's two. But again, that's not that's not a lock. So that's why I'm like, okay, I, I see Gaethje being two. I think Nava Yunus beats Esparza, but I wouldn't be totally shocked out of my mind if Esparza pulls that off because a she's already beaten Nama Yunus, and the deficiencies that Nama Yunus had in that fight, while she is much better now. Carla is still a very good wrestler and a very, very good grappler. She could potentially go out there and just take Rose down and control her on the ground. It may not be the most exciting fight. It may not be the, you know, it may not turn into uh, any of uh, Rose's other title fights, but I think she could potentially go out there and do that. But I'm going to lean towards Nama Yunus uh, just based on the fact that she's gotten so much better. And, and again, I think she is an incredible champion. I agree with Mike on Glover and Yuri Prohoshka. I think when you get taken down and mounted by Dominic Reyes, you're not making it off the ground with Glover to share it. Now, to that point, Glover may walk into a spinning back fist, head kick, whatever combination the year he throws, because that guy's a wild man. He may hit it with his ponytail and knock him out. I have no idea. But on paper, to me... One takedown, as Mike said, it's over because 
Yuri has a big deficiency on the ground. We've seen that. Glover is the worst guy you could have with that in terms of like that outside of like a John Jones, of course. Uh, Glover Teixeira is an incredible ground technician, and we've seen Glover get smarter on this run. He's no longer typically going out there and just throwing hands with people until he gets a knockout and hoping his chin survives. I think he's going to go out there, and he knows his easiest path to victory is taking Prohoshka down and, and submitting him, and I think he does it. So, again, Jan's a, Jan's a lock. That's my number one. I think Gaethje wins. That's two. As far as is, again, I give her a better chance than I think a lot of people are giving her, but I still have to lean towards Janama Yunus. The same thing with Yuri. I could 100% see Yuri doing it, but I'm picking Glover. And then, of course, I got Shevchenko and Volkanovsky as, as locks. So I'm going two, so under. Um, yeah, so Peter Jan, put that. Just go, ahead, just go ahead and give him the title right now. Let's just go ahead and crown him champion. <laughs> that one's done. Wow. Uh, and that one's done. Uh, Gaethje, again, I think he wins, but it's not going to be easy. Oliver's proved me a lot in these last in these last few fights. But listen, I'm I'm with I'm with Jed on that. I'm a Gaethje guy. Like I love Justin Gaethje. That guy's an animal. Uh, I don't know that he beats Islam Makachev, but he's an animal. He uh, <laughs> so yeah, I go Gaethje and Jan as the champions. Everybody else defends. Man, I love how much. Glover love. There's just I was gonna say I was gonna say first I want to say that was interesting. So I, I, much I, belief in a forty two year old man to withstand hold on, hold on, the just, fistic let me, stylings of Yuri Prashka. Let, let me just say Damon almost did what I do with my predictions where like he actually made a pretty I feel like he made several strong arguments for why there could be new champions and why you should go with the over. Um but then but pick the under anyway. Uh now Jed again, so so we had Mike go way under. Mike is very confident. Je, uh Damon pretty confidently go under and so, Jed, you did, the, but you did the sort of arithmetic thing. You you have two, you have two, like you know, you think fairly strong, and and then literally four other chances where if something crazy happens, you the over the, the, the over hits, and, right? And one of those spins gives again, like I think I think Jan Sterling, if I'm being honest in my head, probably does favor Jan. Mm. I just I have a feeling about Sterling in that bout, so I think two are hitting, and then if that one does if, if my head's right then that's at least three so i'm taking the over i think i'll show winning like a controversial decision would also just be like the funniest outcome of all oh my no, god the, are the you kidding me the outcome is if jan knees him in the head again <laughs> i mean so obviously yes similar the funniest thing that's ever happened and you just keep doing it until there's a clean finish which there will never be but or what about uh, if sterling knees jan that would be Oh, the uh, the Eric, the Eric Prindle, the Eric Prindle uh... <laughs> deep cut. <laughs> People, the real ones know. The real ones know. Uh, I'm gonna go. Gosh, you know it's funny. I made these questions out and didn't really think of an answer for myself. I I think. Oh, like listen, I'm Mr. Conservative, so obviously I'm going under because I I'm Oliveira. I think Oliveira's gonna win. I might be going no six and still now that I'm looking at it because I do like of course Shevchenko and Volkanovski I'm sticking with them. Wow. Everybody's loving Teixeira. I love Jiu-Jitsu, so that. Oliveira and Teixeira. Now Junis is now Junis is uh, probably the one I'm I'm most iffy on because I do like that Asparza has won the first fight and I feel like her skill set Asparza anyway has not changed that much and it's just still her primary skill is so strong and so if anything has gotten better. And uh, now Majunas is as good as she is. I mean, this is a wrestler. MMA is for, at this level very much a wrestler's game, and that's what Asparza is. So that'd be like my my closest, but I'm still picking Namajunas. and Sterling Yan too. No, I got to go with Yan this time. I went. I went with oh, Sterling. I thought you were gonna do it. I know. I thought I you were gonna do it. it. And we'll see. Listen, when when prediction time comes around, 
I reserve the right to change my mind. But yeah, I'm almost I'm almost going all and stills. So yeah, Sterling, because Sterling, Jan, even then, I'm probably leaning Jan now. Like 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 Damon said, that Corey Sandhagen performance was just magnificent. And I'm not going to break up the MMA math calculator again. Yes, the MMA math calculator would favor Sterling because he he got the finish over Corey Sandhagen and Jan didn't. But there's other but there's so much other uh, evidence we have to work with of both guys that I do like I do like Jan here. So yeah, I think three of us three of us going under. But Jed again. For anyone who doesn't know who's listening, he runs the gam- MMA Fighting official gambling column every week ahead of a UFC event. So maybe he knows something we don't. And and uh, I don't know if you use the calculator, Jed, but your math does make sense. Two, two you're super confident about, plus four, and then one out of four shot. And this is this is MMA. Volkanovski can stub his toe. Uh, hey, should, I'll, that's I'll, that's I'll the one this, I hope the most. I'll throw this out, I'll throw this out there <laughs> please, right yeah, now. Please. Shevchenko, to me, is the biggest lock. I think we all agree on that, unless she just trips on the way to the octagon and falls over and she's not losing. I actually put Peter Yan as a, as a bigger lock than Volkanovski. That's how much oh, confidence insane. I have in Peter Yan. That's insane. That's how much confidence I have in Peter Yan. I, don't get me wrong. Volkanovski's going to win. I, I think he's going to win. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's going to yeah. lose. I'm just saying that the zombie has pulled off weird, crazy things before, and there's always a chance something weird and crazy. And Volkanovski, like I said, we saw in the Brian Ortega fight, he had a couple moments where bad things happened. I mm-hmm. don't think he's going to lose. I'll put all my money on Volkanovski winning. I think Peter Yon. I think Peter Yon is the biggest lock besides Shevchenko in my mind. I don't think that's crazy at all, because as you said, look, I mean, Volkanovski got hurt a lot in the Ortega fight. People, people keep saying. I mean, I think they're wrong, but they keep saying he lost the Max Holloway fight. I mean, that, so it it's not like Volkanovski has been this 40, 50-45ing uh, first round knockout dominant champion. Uh, now, I think, again, I, I love his performances. I think the fact that he has overcome adversity is what makes him, to me, such so impressive and why I do think he will make pretty easy work of the zombie. But he is a guy who gets hit and does get in, in trouble, and zombie's offense is top-notch. I don't know if you want to – whatever, if you want to poke holes in his all-around game. As far as 145ers go, he he, he has a, as much firepower as anybody. So if Volkanovski is even just a little bit off and gets clipped by a zombie shot, you really don't know what can happen. So I kind of understand Damon's logic there. Jed, I feel like I feel like you don't. No, uh, Mike apparently handed out those crazy pills, and I didn't get it. All right, don't, all right, listen. <laughs> Volkan, maybe I'm wrong. I have to go. I have to go rewatch the fight for tape study anyway. I do not. I remember Volkanovski getting hit. I don't remember him getting hurt by Brian Ortega. I remember him getting almost subbed twice by Brian Ortega. Like he's, I say this all the time. Volkanovski is the bank. Like he he is a casino. And you can't play. The only way you can win is with some super violent offense. And I guess technically TKZ has that, but he's also old. And realistically, the Korean Zombies like run right now is more a feel-good story for a guy who already did his thing, and then is still kind of doing it with good matchups and a couple of quality performances at the right time. Not like, oh yeah, this guy's just beating everybody still. Well, so, and yeah. to, to be clear, and to be clear, Jed, just so we're clear, I 100% am picking Volkanovski yeah. to win. I'm just saying that I actually consider Peter Yan a bigger lock only because I think he beats Aljamain Sterling. I think he's so motivated to beat Aljamain Sterling and beat him badly. Uh, and again, Aljamain, you know, hasn't done anything since that fight. He's been out this entire time. Peter Yan went out there and beat a very good guy in Corey Sanhagen, who was on a great run at that point, coming off a win over TJ Dillashaw. I don't care what the judges said. Uh, he beat T.J. Dillashaw. Uh, I, 
So yeah, that's why I, it's not that I'm not picking Volk. I think I'm 100% agree. I think Volkanovski is going to win. It's either going to be a 50-45 decision or he's going to end up finishing him late in the fight. I just am that confident in Peter Yan. I just want to say I think Zombie is a little bit more than kind of just happy to be here. Keep in mind, outside of the Ortega loss, he would be unbeaten since his first title uh, fight with Jose Aldo if it wasn't for an insane elbow from Ayer Rodriguez. I mean, we would be talking about a guy who is five and one. If I had wheels, they, I'd be a wagon. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> we have to be realistic like about his, his, his performance level has not declined like one bit. Now, I guess the, if the case is you want to say is that his ceiling is what it is anyway, so and, and it's not championship level, uh, you mean, could say that, but his, I don't know. His, sure, his performance level, uh, If you, I'm fine even stipulating that, but he beat Hinato Moicano, who's now a lightweight, who I was never all that sold on as a featherweight anyway, but different thing. Old Frankie Edgar and Danny Gay. Like, those solid fighters. Those are, that is, worlds apart from Volko beating Max Holloway twice. I will say this too. Not that I, 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 I'm picking Volkanovski to win. I, I don't think it's all that close if we're being honest, but if there's a, a group of coaches around a certain fighter that I want, that I don't have a ton of time to prepare for a guy like Alexander Volkanovski having my back, it's the fight ready guys right now. It's Eddie Cha. It's Henry Cejudo. It's those guys. Like these are the guys that I would want as my coaches for a short notice fight against an absolute stud like Alexander Volkanovsky because they are very tricky. They are very smart. And say what you will about Henry Cejudo, the guy just says dumb things in public. But from all accounts, he is a tr- tremendous coach, yeah. like a tremendous coach in the gym. And he was in the running. I mean, he wanted the fight. And as soon as TKZ got it. Cejudo just turned the thing, turned the corner to not to Volkanovski, turned it to the UFC and Dana White, supported Zombie all the way. These are the guys that I would want preparing me to fight Alexander Volkanovski on two or three months' notice. And I think it, I don't think it makes a difference in, in the overall result, but for those who think that this fight could be a little interesting, I think that's a factor for those people. It should be, anyways. Well, boys, keep these keep these takes in mind. We're just what less than two weeks away now uh, from these fights actually happening. Uh, that is Volkanovski, Zombie, and uh, Sterling Yon too. So pretty close. I mean, well, no, Mike way under. As I said Damon a little bit under, and then uh, and uh, Jed willing to take a chance go over. I will I will throw out a poll at some point. Probably this uh, when this when this. All right, let's. As if there was a question. Okay. <laughs> I'm surprised there isn't one already, and we're not live. Look, Look, if, if we were, that poll would have been taken out a long time ago. Now, listeners, I will have it. I will have a poll out probably the same day this podcast. If I forget, I don't know, someone at me or something. But I do want to know. Over, I will set. This, I try to put this to poll form. It's be tricky, but uh, two point over under two point five new UFC champions from these six upcoming title fights uh, in the next few months. All right. Uh, now, guys, I will. Uh, we want. I want to close out here. Those took a, a little more time than I expected, but that's how it always is with this bunch. Oh, well, first of all, I mean. The most important question, I think, is, uh, guys, how about that Patty Pimblet? Uh, I don't, I don't think we talk about this guy enough. I think we got it. <laughs> no, stop Mike, it. I won't, de- Mike. I won't derail another podcast with Patty Pimblet talk. I've made my case. Everyone, everyone's made their case. No, the real guy I want to talk about is probably the polar opposite of Patty Pimblet. Uh, I, I, Jed, I believe I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, uh, just the opening segment. Demetrius Johnson. One of the all-time great mixed martial artists, pound for pound, top five, you know, however you want to. He exited, I think, for the first time since we started doing uh, our own rankings, our own pound for pound rankings on MMA fighting. 
he's out. He's out. He's out of the top 20. You know, uh, 20 is a pretty big field. Demetrius Johnson, despite the fact that he, that he actually competed in something for the first time in, uh, since the loss to uh, Adriano Moraes, who uh, D- Damon would call the rightful king of the 125-pound division, um, he, he, he fought Rod Tang. It was fun. He got a submission, a little mixed rules fight. Very fun outing. But apparently it was not enough to convince our pound to keep him around. So, and, and, he's he's now tied for fourth with Kai Car France. Once the undisputed pound for pound best fighter in the world in his own division now, guys, is tied with Kai Car France. Now we know why. Uh, my question right now is, man, like what, what, what are we going to do with Demetrius Johnson? Is, do we think he's ever going to end up back in the, uh, in the top 20 of our pound for pound again, do we care? Does it even matter? Is it? Is it? Do we prefer that he goes off and does kickboxing and jujitsu and all the stuff he's always said he wanted to do outside of MMA? Damon, give me your just give me a Demetrius Johnson thoughts, whatever you want to say about him, because it it is kind of it feels so weird to say he's just no longer in that pound for pound discussion. It feels like it's a it's a weird one because I think that you know Demetrius is still, in my opinion, you know where let me let me pull up my. My flyweight. Mm-hmm. I actually have. I actually have him at number twenty in the, uh, in the um, pound for pound. Pound for pound. So I yeah. have him right at the tail end. Um, let me see here. Flyweight. Hold on one second. Let me see flyweight. Flyweight. I have him at number oh, four. Right. So mm-hmm. I have him. Yeah, right ahead of Kai Car France. Listen. Here's the thing about Demetrius Johnson is that I think that he is still, you know, one of the best flyweights in the world. What's killing him right now is that he's been out of action so long. And the last time yeah. we saw him, he got his head knocked off by Adriano Marias. The one thing I will disagree about, though, is I think that the level of competition in one championship in flyweight is still pretty solid. I mean, Yuya Wakamatsu, uh, Danny Kingad, I mean, they have some solid fighters at flyweight over in one championship, which is, again, you know, when Adriano Marias is my number one ranked guy, because you go out there and you knock out Demetrius Johnson, you become number one. The problem is, since then, DJ has been sitting stagnant, not doing anything, and you had Figueredo and Moreno going out there and having these incredible fights, beating each other, and it's hard not to put them ahead of him. I like Kai Kara France very much, and beating Askar Askarov is a very big deal. But we also can't forget that Kai Kara France has, he's only on a two-fight win streak. I mean, it's not like he's on this incredible six-fight win streak and he's beating everybody else in the division. He's, he's won, you know, he beat Cody Garbrandt. Okay, well, what? I'm not sure where Cody Garbrandt really fits in this conversation anymore. And then he beat Askarov, which is the defining win. So I still have Demetrius Johnson as the number four guy. And if he goes out there and, you know, beats a couple other legit flyweights over in one championship, he could overtake number three or maybe number two. I have a hard time believing he'd ever get that high again unless he beats Adriano Marias in a rematch. As far as pound for pound, I mean, I think he's still, I have him at number 20. I think he's always there. I think the problem I've always had with Demetrius Johnson being up towards number one when a lot of people had him ranked number one before we, of course, had the best rankings in the world at MMA fighting uh, is level of competition. I said this forever. I said, listen, I love Demetrius Johnson. I think he's an incredible champion. He's an incredible fighter. The problem is, is that it's hard for me to justify him being number one over a guy like, let's say, a Kamar Usman or at the time of John Jones or whoever, because the level of competition at flyweight just isn't as good. And it's not a knock on Demetrius Johnson. It's just it's hard for me to justify putting him number one when he has you know certain wins on his record that just wouldn't you, you would be a blip on a radar of other guys in terms of pound for pound. So I have him at number twenty because that's kind of where he fits right now in terms of what he's done in his career. He's getting he's getting by largely on a career accomplishment right now more than the what have you done for me lately. And the reality is a couple other guys could knock him out. So that's the problem he's running into right now. He always had a weaker division at flyweight. Flyweight is just not as deep 
as other divisions and not as established as other divisions. And also recently, he's just been out of action. His last fight was a knockout loss, and it's just hard to justify him being higher in those rankings. So I still have him at 20, but I don't know. Unless he goes out there and avenges the loss to Adrian and Marias, I don't know how much higher he can get. I will, I will say I will always defend Demetrius Johnson's level of competition. I do think because the flyweight division wasn't established, he doesn't have that. He's not able to say, oh, he beat a former champion, things like that, because there were no other champions besides him, uh, unless you want to count Tachi Palace fight guys, uh, one of whom he beat, Ian McCullough, right? So, uh, like, I think, like, and I always look at the guys he beat, how successful are they after? And so many of them still went on to be, like, competitive fighters and, and are still competing. Ali Bagutinov is still a really good win. Kyoji Horiguchi. Uh, Cejudo, he killed him the first time, right? Um, Tim Elliott's still competing. Uh, Joseph Benavidez was a contender for a long time. So I, I would put his resume, and I'm going to get crucified for this, I don't care. I think his resume is like considerably stronger than like uh, an Anderson Silva, if you take like the whole body of work. I really think that. And you never, you don't hear people question, well, they do a bit, but not as much as they do uh, Demetrius Johnson questioning their level of competition. So I will defend that. Um, but also, weirdly, I am also one of the people who does not have, I don't think I have Demetrius Johnson in my pound for pound anymore. So I think you make a great point about like, he's getting by now on his past achievements because his last win in MMA, October, 2019, over two years since he won an MMA. And again, I like Danny King ad, uh, uh, Yu Wakamatsu, the guys he's beaten in one, but you know, they have about the same, less esteem than some of the guys he fought in the UFC. So it is kind of weird. Mike, General General Demetrius Johnson thoughts. What what what's what's what are, you, what are your thoughts on him right now, just in his his career? I mean, I think you, I think you asked the right question. Do we even care? Oh no, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I don't. I do not mean this in a bad way. I mean this in a Derek Lewis, Ty Tuivasa kind of way where. Does it really even matter where he is in the rankings? Because we all know how good DJ is. We all know where he will sit in the annals of fight sports when his career is over. When we look back on DJ's career a decade from now, we will sing his praises gloriously. And it'll be a beautiful song. But at this point in his career, make that money, son. I don't care what you do. Grapple. Grapple Danielle Kelly, for all I care. Grapple anybody. <laughs> Grapple Derenier. Grapple the middleweight champion of the world. Who cares? Just get in there, have some fun, and make that bank. Rankings don't matter with this guy anymore. He got traded, and the deal he signed with one, by all accounts, is just for a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, UFC fighters, current UFC champions, some of the bigger stars, from all accounts, I mean, this is a contract that is just unbelievable. So... Him not being in the pound for pound rankings, I don't think he he could give two shits less. Part of my French, and I don't really care either. The man seems so happy. He seems so content that just because he's not the number twenty pound for pound fighter in my rankings doesn't take anything away from what that man has done in the past. The inactivity has hurt him if we're looking at it from a meritocracy standpoint. But the guy loves life. He's making more money than he could ever spend in his entire life. His family's going to be taken care of. The guy's crushing video games. He's living the dream right now. And to me, that means more than being on any pound-for-pound ranking or being the number one flyweight in the world. So to me, it's more of a not-caring thing, but not in like a DJ's not an interesting guy kind of way. It's more of 
this guy's living the dream right now. He gets to do literally whatever he wants. He gets to mix the martial arts or not mix the martial arts. He can choose he one to, martial art. He is not mixing the martial arts, yeah. which I approve of. He is hashtag keeping the martial and, arts apart, which I support. And to, to Mike's point, real quick, just throw this out there. If you listen to Demetrius talk before the last fight with Rod Tang, which is a really fun fight, I don't think he's really interested in going back after the title. Like, 100%. I don't think he really cares. Like I he's asked him numerous it. times about Adrian Armarais. He's like, yeah, whatever. Never. I don't really care. <laughs> like, and I'm like, cool. I got no problem if he never fights Adrian Armarais again. Like, I don't care. I'm with Mike. Like, go out and make your money, dude. Go fight. Go grapple Andre Galvo. Go kickbox. Uh, you know, go kickbox other guys. Do whatever you want. But I don't think he really cares about being champion. I like. I don't think he's chasing that Adrian Armarais fight. I don't think he cares. This is for this is for both you guys. Oh, that was that was weak. Is this the Staples button? Okay. It's amazing. Uh, we have an eighty-six thousand dollars computer. It costs us every time you crunch numbers, but we have uh, to put a, pick a phone, and every, you can't yep. even push the button without an ad well, popping up on your cell phone. This is where the, where the, where do you think the money went, Mike? Where do you think it went to the MMA math calculator? And I and, and I don't and I don't regret it at all. Um, yeah, look, I, no, no, I think I think you guys are right. I think uh, <laughs> I think it is good. No, I, I would listen. I'm gonna have to at him definitely in the uh, in the post because I I, I I think he will care when he sees where he is in the MMA fighting global rankings and pound for pound rankings. Uh, I I don't know, Jed. I don't know about you, but all this talk to me sounds like quality podcast material someday. Uh, but what what are your thoughts on on uh, on DJ <laughs> the current state of the great Demetrius Johnson? I mean, I think everybody said a lot of right things. Some things that I disagree with, but, you know, it's fine. DJ is one of the five best fighters ever. He shouldn't be one of the top 20-pound pound fighters, and that's why he's not in my rankings, and I don't think anyone should have him there. If, if you're having him there, it's entirely based on what he did at one point in time. And sure, I mean, pound for pound, you can kind of set your own rules and do whatever you want. Lord knows I do that all the time, so it's fine. But like for me, the way I do my pound for pound rankings, it's I am interested in what you have done for me lately, meaning what are your wins over current ranked fighters in your division or outside of your division? Demetrius Johnson has, I think, two of those. Tim Elliott and uh, uh, Kyoji Horiguchi, I think, are still in our rankings. So he he just doesn't have any he beat a lot of great people at the time, but those people were tired or quit or aren't ranked anymore. So it's just like it just is what it is, and he he's never gonna get back. And that's I, like everyone said, I don't think he cares. And it's that's just what happens when you aren't competing in the UFC, where most of the top ranked fighters in the world are. You're gonna be very difficult, in my rankings at least, to be highly ranked in pound for pound or divisionally. It's just gonna be tough because you're not going to be able to get the same quality of competition. So, and I think what Mike said is right get the bag and frankly he's just doing more fun stuff like just have fun mma you say it all the time ak mma is supposed to be fun who is having more fun in this sport right now than demetrius johnson there aren't a lot of people so i'm all for it mighty mouse keep keep doing you bud now probably, uh, i would say the one David. person having more fun than demetrius johnson is probably kayla harrison because i think she's already cast <laughs> a million dollar check for this year i'm just saying <laughs> i'm just saying like i just throwing that out there. Like, in terms of, in terms <laughs> of having fun she's pretty much already put down the million dollar extra paycheck <laughs> in her bank account this year i'm just saying uh yeah, i will i don't know she always talks about mako mondays and she seems to be miserable during those so 
DJ just seems happy all the time. He's Twitch streaming. It's all I know great. he plays video. He's an e, he's a legitimate like esports guy. It's pretty wild. And he's always said he wanted to. And just he's a he's he's a weird kind of fighter. Like he always said he wanted to do all these things. And and he's he's doing it. Just like he's doing. He said this for a long time. I I want I love video games. This I love. You know I want to do other stuff outside of MMA. And he's just doing it. And as we keep saying, apparently being very well compensated for it. So. Uh, I will say, Jed, you did add someone to your pound for pound list uh, this year, this this month, who has a win, a, a win in MMA far more recently than uh, Demetrius Johnson, if we're being honest. So this is a, a very is uh, that true? Look, I know that it was a special rules fight. Yeah. DJ won the fight in he the did. MMA round. It's not an MMA. No, it's not an MMA fight. It's not an MMA fight. No, you know what was an MMA fight? It was our own E. Casey Lydon winning a fight uh, a couple weeks ago, two weekends ago? I know people probably tired of us. I know people are probably, probably tired of us plugging this, but I just want to say for anyone who has not watched the video, which just came out this past weekend, Walking the Walk, uh, E. Casey Lydon's, uh, it's a wonderful, it's about a 30-minute video, guys. Please take your time, watch the 30-minute video of uh, his fight day. Uh, a lot of talented people involved, of course, himself. Uh, his, uh, the brilliant Esther Lynn, Cynthia Mance, another person helping the video. I apologize, I can't remember everyone's names. But uh, yeah, for anyone who, didn't, who hasn't seen that, it's on MMA Fighting's YouTube. You can find the link on uh, MMAFighting.com, E. Casey Lydon, Walking the Walk. And uh by the time you guys listen to this podcast, you will have seen uh, his name possibly snuck into. Uh, oh no, it's, it'll be it'll be tomorrow. But uh, you guys will see his name has maybe snuck into our into our pound for pound ranking. So allow us allow us this indulgence, please. Uh, any any closing thoughts, guys, about uh, Demetrius Johnson or pound for pound in general? I was I was going to turn this to a whole pound for pound discussion because Shaheen's not around, and I, I bring this up every month as a topic. Like I want to have an in depth philosophical debate about the meaning. Of pound for pound, and he shoots it down every time. He says it's boring. So, we're really, we, unfortunately, we don't have enough time again this week, this month. I should have done it while he was gone. But uh, if you guys have any parting thoughts, uh, again, Demetrius Johnson, pound for pound, general, Mike, anything you want to say? MMA is supposed to be fun. Mm -hmm. Do you, DJ? Do you mix all the rules? Have fun. Pound for pound is stupid, but we do it anyways. And that's it. I mean, it. I mean, good, 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 good show. And Muhammad Hayef is going to be a two division champion oh, at some goodness. point. Jed, uh, everything Mike said except for pound for pound is stupid. Pound for pound is great. <laughs> There's nothing better than arguing things that cannot be proven and getting incredibly upset when people don't have, share your exact ideology. And uh, also, Israel Adesanya is the top pound for pound oh, in the world. Y'all need to come at me. All right, people will, again, and uh, uh, if, teaser again, uh, if you want to hear Jet, further Jeff's thoughts on that, he will allow, I, I did give him an opening to elaborate on that in the article itself, which will be out Thursday. So uh, thank you, Jed, for uh, line-stepping as always, um, but at least explaining yourself, which- uh, Habitual line-stepper. Habi you are the habitual line-stepper, and uh, we appreciate it. Damon, uh, anything you'd like to say? Uh, Kamaru Usman is number one pound for pound, although I kind of agree with Mike. Pound for pound is kind of ridiculous because we all have different criteria of why we crown pound for pound. But Kamaru Usman is the guy, and I also want to say congratulations to new UFC bantamweight champion Peter Yan. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is, guys. Got some, we got the usual bold takes, the usual knuckleheadery, a little uh, MMA math. And uh, guys, uh, Shaheen will be back with us, I'm, uh, I'm certain, in next month's show, the May. I'm getting my months right. That'll be the May ranking show. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, you guys are right. Let, you know, most important message: MMA is supposed to be fun. Let's all have a little Demetrius Johnson in the skies when we, as as we, you know, continue to follow the sport. And uh, thank you again, everyone. And we will we'll see you again in May.
Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.